Last week, I started kind of a mini-series on uh, genuine faith, staying out of the ditch. And we hear a lot about faith, and it's so important that uh, Hebrews 11.6 said, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So that's how important faith is. And uh, we... We need to know how to have the genuine faith. So uh, 2 Timothy 1.5, I just want to start where I started last week. Paul is talking to Timothy, and he is recognizing something in Timothy that is very important. He said, I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois, and your mother Eunice, and I know that same faith continues strong in you. So Timothy was very blessed to have a heritage of genuine faith. Now that, doesn't, that, that is a little rare for it to be handed down to three generations. But let me tell you, grandmothers, if you will walk close to God, be a godly example of genuine faith, your children will catch it. And if they will be faithful to walk in genuine faith, then their children will catch it as well. I know Brother Hagan always say, said that faith is more caught than taught. And I know that for a fact because uh, Pastor and I sat under uh, his ministry a lot and every time, and still when I listen to any sermons that Brother Hagin taught, a spirit of faith jumps all over me. And I just, I just know that I know that I know that God is all-powerful, that He listens to me, and that He will answer my prayers. And so that's what we're after in the genuine faith. But if there is a genuine faith, then there has to be probably a counterfeit as well. And so the people that get in the ditch with faith are in the ditch because their genuine faith has become counterfeit faith. And so um, I just want to talk just for a few minutes, give a little bit of description or, or help you kind of identify what counterfeit faith would look like. Now, first of all, I believe that counterfeit faith is having faith in your faith. When Jesus himself said in Matthew, uh, I mean, excuse me, Mark eleven twenty two, he said, have faith in God. So to have faith in your faith and believe that your faith is going to make something work, uh, that's just a little bit in your headed kind of for the ditch. I ran across a quote by Smith Wigglesworth. Now, I don't know if you all know who Smith Wigglesworth was, but uh, he lived, actually he passed away in uh, 1947. So I think he was born in like, he was like 87 years old at that time when he passed away, but he had a great ministry. It was, he was an English man, but he, 
he traveled around the world, basically, and ministered. And I won't go into all his life, but it is a, a very intriguing to study after his life. Because under his ministry, he, it's no, it has been recorded that he raised 20 people from the dead. I would say he had some genuine faith going on there. But he made this statement. He said, uh, faith is the open door through which the Lord comes. Do not say, I was saved by my faith. Or, I was healed by my faith. Faith does not save and it does not heal. God saves and heals through that open door. You believe and then the power of Christ comes. Now that's really what genuine faith is all about. And if you'll remember the woman with the issue of blood in Mark the 5th chapter, you know, she heard about Jesus and then she said, if I but touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. And then she pressed through the crowd, touched the hem of his garment, and felt in her body that she was healed of an issue of blood. And Jesus stopped all of a sudden. And he said, who touched me? And the disciples said, what do you mean who touched you? The crowd is all around you pressing in. Everybody is touching you. And he said, no, no. I felt virtue or power go out of me. Somebody touched me through the touch of faith. And then he turned around and said to her, your faith has made you whole. Now, what did he mean by that? He meant that her faith opened up a door that pulled the power of God into her life, and she was healed. So that's what faith will do on your part, and the open door that will happen on God's side of it. So I guess I... I'm just going to make a bold statement. When you get into genuine faith, the power of God will come. Now, I don't know when it will come. I can't tell you for sure. But I know in my experience, the minute I move into true, genuine faith, I get my answer. So... Um, that, that may be one way that people get in the ditch, is they, they get to thinking they, it's all about them. I just want you to know that anything that, got, that happens from the spirit realm in your life is not all about you. It's all about God. But you are the one that opens the door. And you open the door through genuine faith. Another way people get in the ditch is to believe that um, there is a formula to get God to work. So they have all these rules and these uh, regulations and these principles that they check off. Okay, let's see. I read my Bible uh, at least 30 minutes today. Check. I prayed for an hour. Check. I confess the word 150 times today. Check. Now, every one of those things that I mentioned is good, and we should do those. 
But we do not get healed by the works that we do. We get healed through a relationship with the healer and the saver and the deliverer. It's Jesus that's going to do it through the Holy Spirit. So there must be a relationship. And I just want to emphasize that so much because it's not a set of principles. It's not a collection of words that we believe in. We're believing in our Heavenly Father who spoke those words who, that said that was His intention for you. You know, sometimes we're kind of like... Uh, uh, sometimes we're a little bit like whenever I was um, going with Charles Mendenhall. Now, we, we, were going, we just started going together at the end of the school year when I was a uh, sophomore in college. And we started going together, and I went to my place uh, where I lived in Chester, Oklahoma, and he went on harvest trip. And he came out back from harvest uh, just, I mean, he actually came down to see me just before he went to harvest. And that night, he asked me to marry him. You know what I said? Yes. And then he left, and he went on the harvest. But he wrote to me almost every day. It was like a little paragraph, about like that. And... Uh, Basically, you know, if you, knew, if you knew Pastor Charlie, you knew that he, didn't, he was not a man of many words. And so he just said things and then, you know, yeah, well, he was done. And so, but I mean, I would sit and watch that mailbox until I saw the mailman go by. And I would run across the street. I would grab that letter and I would read that letter. Was I in love with his words? No. I was in love with him, but his words were valuable to me because it showed me his heart. And so we can get in the ditch by just believing in a, a collection of words. But now his word is important. God's words reveal his heart. We should know about what he has to say. His word, his word is life to us and is health to our flesh. But it has to do with a relationship with our Father God and in Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. So, genuine faith. Uh, according to the Amplified Bible, uh, some definitions of genuine faith, Jesus used this uh, in one place. He said, he called it firmly relying trust. Uh, also, a definition all the way, if you're reading the Amplified Bible when it says faith, then in parentheses it will have this definition of faith. The leaning of your entire personality on God in Christ in absolute trust and confidence in His power, wisdom, and goodness. Leaning totally on God. That's genuine faith. Your whole personality. You know, if, if you lean on something, if you're leaning on a, on a fence, 
you know, if you don't trust and, and have faith in it, you're not going to lean very heavy on it because it might let you down. But pure, genuine faith is leaning totally over on the Lord, knowing that He will not let you down. That's genuine faith. So I want to look uh, at Hebrews 11th chapter, uh, the, first, the first verse. I want to read it first in the Amplified. Uh, we, we read this last week, and I pointed out something that has to do with genuine faith that we, I just want to stir up your remembrance. Now, faith is, I'm just going to say it this way, now faith is assurance. We talked about assurance and confidence. If what you're praying for and what you're believing for, you don't have assurance yet that you've got it. Because it will manifest in the spirit realm first. God has already, already placed it in the spirit realm first. He says, by the stripes of Jesus, you have been healed. Or you are already healed, basically. That's a little loose translation. But uh, by the stripes of Jesus, you have already been healed. You've already been forgiven according to heaven. So all you have to do is bring it down into your life by believing and confessing it. Believing it in your heart and confessing it with your mouth. That's how you got saved. In Romans 8, I mean Romans uh, 10, excuse me, 8, Paul said, this is the word of faith. You know, people say, well, I don't believe in the word of faith anymore. Well, then you don't believe what Paul taught. Because Paul said, this is the word of faith that I preach. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. But with the heart man believeth unto salvation. And with the mouth confession is made. To confirm it, basically, the Amplified says. To confirm your salvation. So the word of faith is believing something in your heart... And speaking it out your mouth. In Mark eleven twenty four says, Therefore I say unto you, when you pray, believe that you receive it, and then you will have it. So your believing goes before your seeing. You don't have to see something to believe it. I know there is a saying that says, well, seeing is believing. That's not faith. You don't have to have faith when you already see it. I mean, it's, it's a knowing. You got it. Yeah, there it is. But you're bringing something from the spirit realm into the natural realm. And so, according to Jesus, now that Jesus is this teacher, Mark 11, it wasn't Brother Hagen, it wasn't Charles Mendenhall. It was Jesus that said, Whosoever shall say unto that mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but believe the things he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever things he saith. And then he said, Therefore I say unto you, What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. Who said that? Who? Do you believe Jesus? Do you think he meant what he said? Or was he just kind of throwing out a little sermonette and I think just trying to fill space. No, he believed it and he spoke it because he did it. And he did it to the fig tree. He wanted something to eat. He went to the fig tree. 
Fig tree didn't have any figs on it. He stood there and says, no man eat any fruit from you hereafter forevermore. So be it. Walked away. Next day, the fig tree was withered. And this is when he taught the disciples this, what you believe in your heart, what you say with your mouth, that is what opens the door to the supernatural realm to be manifested in our lives. Do you believe that God manifests supernatural things in lives today? That's a question. Do you believe it? Maybe you haven't experienced it yet, but, I, but you can. We have a supernatural God who is, we sang about, good. He has your best interest at heart. He cares for you. And if you're going through a hard time, He cares what's going on. And He wants to come into your life and intervene and change what needs to be changed in our lives. He wants to be vitally involved in our lives. So, put that back up, please. So, uh, I said all that to read this scripture. Now, faith is assurance. It's the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for, being the proof of things we, what, do not see. And the conviction of their reality. Faith perceiving. What does perceiving mean? It means it sees something. Faith sees as a real fact what is not revealed to the senses. Put that up in the King James, please. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, this is, this is the way I memorized this verse when we first, you know, when we first started studying uh, to, for the ministry and so on, etc., and studied about faith. And uh, several years ago, I had, I had developed a cough. It was like the most violent cough I've ever experienced in my life, before or since. It was so violent that it caused seven hernias in my stomach during the process of time because I would cough so violently that I developed hernias. And this cough went on for four months. And I tried, I tried everything. I went to doctors. I, they gave me stuff. I, was, I took it. People prayed for me. I mean, I, there was at least two or three people that when they prayed, I felt the anointing of God come on me, and I thought, okay, well, I'm healed, and then I would start coughing. And I think, okay, well, maybe I better find somebody else. So I found somebody else to pray for me. I asked this person to pray. I asked this person to pray. Still nothing. And so I was on my way to sealing one day, and I had a coffin spell. When I got through coffin, I said, all right, Lord, we're going to have a talk. You and me are going to have a talk, and I'm going to find out what's going on here. And I heard the Spirit of God say, symptoms are not evidence of your healing. Faith is the evidence. 
Symptoms are not evidence of whether you're healed or not. Faith is the evidence. And I realized what he was telling me. And I saw myself. I could feel the presence of God. I knew that the anointing was there when people prayed for me. And then I would look at the symptoms as evidence of whether I was healed. And so that very moment, that moment, I, I said, all right, Lord, that's the last time I'm going to check my symptoms to see if I'm healed. I know I'm healed, and I just declare that I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. And so I, for a couple of days, I would, have, I would cough, and I would just say, hallelujah, faith is the evidence, not coughing. And two days later, I was healed. Totally gone, just like that. So I learned something about that verse, about genuine faith. We're looking sometimes at the wrong things to determine if God's answering our prayers or not. And so what happens many times is that we, we start out with great faith. And then there is something that will happen in inevitably. And I'm going to finish by talking about this. First Peter. I want to look at First Peter, the first chapter, starting in verse 4. So we are born anew into an inheritance which is beyond the reach of change and decay, imperishable, unsullied, and unfading, reserved in heaven for you. Now, this is Peter writing, and he's the same one that wrote, God has provided us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So we have all of this stuff ready for us. It is in heaven. It's guarded. It says we are being guarded, garrisoned by God's power through what? Your faith. Till you fully inherit the final salvation that is ready to be revealed for you in the last time. So we've got so much stuff waiting for us. Some of the stuff that we're we can get from God is, is available to us here on this earth while we live. And then when we get to heaven, oh my goodness, we get the fullness of everything that God promised. Oh my. It's going to be worth it all. Worth it all. And then he goes into this, verse 6. You should be exceedingly glad. Yes, I am exceedingly glad on this account, though... Uh, for now, for a little while, you may be distressed by trials and suffer temptation. Aha, that's the bad news. So that what? The genuineness of your faith may be tested. Your faith, which is infinitely more precious than perishable gold, which is tested and purified by fire, this proving of your faith is intended, see this is why we can rejoice, to redound to your praise and glory and honor when Christ the Messiah, the anointed one, is revealed. So what Peter is saying is this, ah yes, it's wonderful that we have all this stuff available to us, it's great. Um, <clears throat> but, I just want you to know that uh, your faith's going to be tested. Just saying. You're going to have an opportunity to check and see if your faith is genuine or if it is counterfeit. 
God's going to want to see that. The devil is going to want to change it so that you don't have genuine faith. And you need to know where your faith lies. Are you, do you have genuine faith? Or do you have counterfeit faith? Or just passive faith that doesn't do anything, that just kind of floats through life and whatever will be, will be. So we find out that our faith, let's put that up there again, that last, uh, that verse 7. The genuineness of your faith is going to be tested. But your faith is more precious than perishable gold, which is tested and purified by fire. So your faith is more valuable than gold. But, you know, gold is valuable. I like carrots and carrots and carrots of gold. The more the better. The more pure the better. So how do they purify gold? Well, they heat it to a really, really hot temperature. The lowest uh, is 840 degrees to like 1300 degrees to melt it. And it melts and then all the junk that's in it that's not pure rises to the top and then they skim it off. And then the gold becomes more, more valuable, more valuable as they continue to purify it. Now I have here, don't run up here to the stage. <laughs> you that wasn't here last week, I, I gave away a $100 bill. But uh, I'm actually not going to give this away. When it was minted, which is in 1997, it was, it's one ounce, and it was worth $50. Today, this little baby is worth $1,927. <laughs> He's getting ready to run up here. <laughs> Gold is valuable now, but it's not more valuable than your faith that has been tested. And so God's purpose, when he allows testing in your life, is for this. For your faith to be like this. So valuable that you treasure that faith. God treasures that faith. So the devil's plan in testing is to steal your faith. To erode your faith. To turn it into counterfeit faith. He is going to try to steal your faith. Now we as a church went through a test. We, every one of us individually had to decide what we're going to do with our faith. When two years ago, Pastor Charlie died. And we were all believing God for him to live. So, what did we do with our faith? What do we do with our faith? How do we withstand these times of, of testing? You know, when Pastor and I went to Ramah uh, in uh, 1976, actually 75, uh, when we went to Ramah, 
uh, all up until that time, we'd been studying faith, we'd been believing God, we'd be getting acquainted with God, and it was so exciting. We had miracle after miracle. Uh, I know our oldest son, Quentin, if you've seen him, he's, he's just a little bit taller than me. Uh, he, he, one of his legs was shorter than the other, so we prayed and his, his leg grew out to be the same length as the other one. I just regret that we just didn't keep going, you know. And, and, but uh, anyway, we saw that miracle. He fell off of a horse on the ranch and broke his collarbone. We prayed for him. We actually took him to the doctor, but we prayed for him. And his, his shoulder, his collarbone was instantly healed. Uh, we had all kinds, I, you know, I could tell you all kinds of miracles that we had. And, I mean, we were gun-ho when we went to Raymond. We thought, whoa, I mean, we're not only are we faith people, but now we're going into this atmosphere of faith, and it is going to be wonderful. And, and we were expecting great things. And we went a, a, we, a month early and got us a house and got all settled in, and every one of us got sick. I mean, we were crouping around, kids were crouping around, I was crouping around. Charlie was the worst. He was, he was coughing so hard that he was vomiting. He was just, I mean, he was, he was sick. And of course, we prayed. Nothing happened. We prayed again. Nothing happened. And I, I, I thought, where did God go? Where did God go? And Charlie was having a coffin spell, and he said, Margaret, go down to the 7-Eleven and get me some cough medicine. And I thought, oh, my goodness. Has it come to this? <laughs> you got to have medicine? Oh, my goodness. I felt defeated, and I got in the car. I was going to go down to get some cough medicine. And I sat there in the car, and something rose up on the inside of me. And I stomped my foot on the floorboard of that car. And I said, devil, I'm going to tell you right now. If, I never, if we never receive healing, if I never see anybody healed, I'm going to go everywhere and I'm going to preach and teach that God heals. Because I know that the word is true. And I just, you know, I just made that confession. Went down, got the cough medicine. But you know what? It was in just in days that we all got well, and we never got sick again while we were there. And Charlie got a concussion playing Rama basketball. And before the day was over, God healed him of that. But there was a test that we had to go through. And the night Charlie died, January the 1st, 2022, 6 o'clock in the evening, whenever they took that ventilator off of him and he never took another breath, I couldn't hardly believe it. And the first thing out of my mouth was this, devil, I'm going to tell you right now, I am, this that changes nothing about what I believe. I may not understand everything, but it changes nothing. I'm going to preach the word. I'm going to minister the word. I'm going to trust God. 
and I'm going to tell people that God heals. And I, I just, I said, and I said this, excuse me, but I said, I'm going to kick your butt. And I'm going to give you a black eye. You owe me. The testing of your faith. What are you going to do in the middle of a test? What did Jesus do in the middle of the test? We won't take time to look at the scriptures, all of the scriptures, but you know, Jesus was having a pretty good day. He went to see John and he got baptized and, and he, uh, all of a sudden, a sound came from heaven. Heaven opened and it said, uh, the voice of God spoke and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Whoa. Supernatural voice of God. I mean, that would be a little bit thrilling. And then the very next verse, Matthew 4, the, uh, verse 1, the very next verse it says, and the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted. And what did, the, what did the devil say to him the very first time he came to him? If thou be the Son of God. Woohoo! He just heard that he was. And now the devil's saying, if you are, then you're going to have to prove it by doing something. But how did Jesus face the test? He faced the test by keeping his eyes on the Word of God. And he said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's the way you overcome your tests. That's the way you get through them victorious. What has God said? Not just in His Word, but about you. What does God say? His words are life. They're spirit and they are life. And that's the way that Jesus got through. He got through His test. Uh, look at... Um, Matthew 4.16. This is the results. The people who sat, dwelt, enveloped in darkness have seen a great light. For those who sat in the land and shadow of death, death light has dawned. What are they talking about? This is when Jesus walked out of the, of the wilderness. Having overcome. And people started seeing this great light. And his ministry begun. Awesome. Peter was tested. He's the one that wrote this that we just read about your faith being tested. Luke 22. Put up Luke 22. Verse 32. Luke 22, 32. Peter, my dear friend, listen to what I'm about to tell you. This is Jesus talking to Peter. 
Now, Peter, he was a kind of a loud mouth. And not even right after Jesus said this, he said, I would never, I mean, I'd, I'd even die for you. Huh. That was the hot air. Peter, my dear friend, listen to what I'm about to tell you. Satan has obtained permission to come and sift you all like wheat and test your faith. Verse 32, but I have prayed for you. Interesting. Now, if Jesus would come to me and say, uh, Margaret, Satan is going to trust you. But I've prayed for you. I think, oh, I, get, I, I actually get a get-out-of-jail-free card if Jesus is praying for me. No problem. But Jesus didn't tell Peter, I'm praying that the devil won't come. Or I'm going to keep the devil from coming. He said, I, I have prayed for you, Peter, that you would stay faithful to me no matter what comes. In the, in the Amplified, it says that your faith will not fail. See, Jesus is not so much interested in your comfort as in the fact that your faith is genuine. And you know, we're not going to always be comfortable. I hate to tell you that. I mean, we will be when we get to heaven. But we're living in this world with a devil that's going to come to try to steal your faith. And then he said to him, remember this, after you've turned back to me. See, Jesus already knew that Peter's faith was going to fail for a little while, that he was going to turn around. He said, after you come back to me and have been restored, make it your life's mission to strengthen the faith of your brothers. And you know what? He did that. He strengthened the faith of his brothers. Preached a sermon on the day of Pentecost, got 3,000 people saved that day. His faith might have faltered for a while, but he picked it back up. That's good news for all of us. We may stumble. So, uh, I was going to go to Abraham. You know, he was the father of faith. God had told him that he was going to have a son in his old age. And he went through all kinds of rigmarole, you know, he... His faith failed for a little while in chapter 16 of Genesis. He had a child by Hagar. But God said, nope, your descendants are not going to come from Hagar, from Ishmael. Sarah is going to have a child. And out of that seed, you're going to have so many descendants that it's like the stars in the heavens. I mean, that was good news. You know, d descendants can multiply quick. We had three kids, Charlie and I. Now we have 34 descendants. We're replenishing the earth. I say 34, we've got 34 and a little bit more. We have another one on the way. So it's going to be 35. But you know, Genesis 22 came along. 
In the very first verse, it says, God proved Abraham and told him, go sacrifice that boy. What? I thought he was supposed to have descendants. You're telling me to go sacrifice that kid? It was a test. The Bible tells us. Can you put up that Genesis uh, 22 verse 1? After these events, God tested and proved Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here am I. And then he, verse 2, God said, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love. Go to the region of Moriah. Offer him there as a burnt offering up upon one of the mountains of which I will tell you. He did that. I wonder what was going through his head when he was going up there. Did you ever wonder what was going through his head? I'll tell you what was going through his head. Hebrews eleven seventeen through 19. Hebrews eleven seventeen. 17. By faith Abraham, when he was put to the test, while the testing of his faith was still in progress and already, had already brought Isaac for an offering, he who had gladly received and welcomed God's promises was ready to sacrifice his only son, for whom it was said, through Isaac shall your descendants be reckoned. For he reasoned. What was he reasoning as he was going up there to offer up his son? He was reasoning that God was able to raise him up even from among the dead. And in a sense, that's what happened. He didn't have to offer him, but in his mind, he had offered Isaac. What was he doing? He was expecting the miracle. He had genuine faith. And he knew if God promised it, it, if I, it didn't matter if the son was dead. God was going to resurrect that dead son because he had a promise and a covenant with God. And you and I have a promise and a covenant with God as well in a lot of different areas of our lives. So I want to look at... Um, let's see. i trying to decide how to what to leave out and what to include as we get close to closing, my first closing here. First <laughs> um, Peter 4, I want to look at 12 and 13 in the Message Bible. Message, please. Now, I may get a little lump in my throat when I read this because I remember Pastor Charlie reading this a lot of times. Friends, when life gets really difficult, don't jump to the conclusion that God isn't on the job. Instead, be glad that you are in the very thick of what Christ experienced. This is a spiritual refining process with glory just around the corner. What's going to be the outcome of your test? Glory is just around the corner. Now go ahead and put it up in the, in the King James, please. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trials, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice, but rejoice, what is your plan of action in the middle of a test and a trial and a tribulation? Rejoice 
Inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's suffering, stop right there. Some people think that we are called to suffer sickness, disease, car wrecks, whatever. Jesus did not suffer them that way. Jesus did say you're going to suffer persecution. He did say that you're going to have some tests and trials. And he did say, actually, 1 Peter 4.1 says, you are going to suffer because it's going to be in the flesh because your flesh wants you to do something and you say no. You crucify that flesh. That's the suffering because you want to please God. Some things God tells us not to do. And our flesh said, yeah, but I want to. And you say, no, but, but God says, no. But I want to. But I want to. So when you decide to obey God and please Christ, there is some suffering. I mean, any time crucifixion takes place, I think there's a little suffering. And he says, he says crucify your flesh. So this is the suffering that he's talking about. Rejoice in as much as you're partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you shall be glad also with exceeding joy. Yeah. Now, I am going to end with James 1.12 in the, in the Passion. This is good news. If your faith remains strong, even while surrounded by life's difficulties, you will continue to experience the untold blessings of God. True happiness comes as you pass the test with faith and receive the victorious crown of life promised to every lover of God. Wow. There is wonderful promises when we pass that test. We can look for glory. We can look for a crown of life when we pass the test. So don't think it's strange concerning the fiery trials that's to try you as though some strange thing has happened to you. Rejoice. Rejoice. And your faith remains strong. And in 1 John 5, 4, it says, we overcome the world through our faith. We're world overcomers, especially when you pass the test. Stand with me. Hmm. The most important thing that you can do in the midst of the test is to draw up close to God. Draw up close to Him in an intimate relationship with Him. There was a time in my life that I was going through horrible trials and my marriage was falling apart. And I, was, I thought I was going crazy. I couldn't cope with things. I was just, it was just, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do. I knew God, but I didn't have an intimate relationship with God. And Easter Sunday night, 1973 I cried out to God and I said God I want the closest relationship I can have with you and that night 
Jesus walked into my room. I was gloriously baptized in the Holy Spirit. Begin to speak in tongues, which I was totally against. I got unagainst it. But there, as I gazed on the beauty of my Savior, I fell in love with Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And from that day till this, we've been best friends. Have I always served him perfectly? No. Have I always felt that close to him? Not always. But I know he's always there and I, he never leaves me and he never forsakes me. But I feel the yearning heart of God this morning. He's saying to us, us here at Victory Center in this place, I want an intimate relationship with you. Now some of you probably have that intimate relationship with him where he speaks to you on a regular basis and you can always I mean you just carry on a running conversation with him all day long but some of you you may not and his heart is yearning towards you because I don't know what's going to happen in the future in our country I've heard prophets speak some of them are very gloomy and some of them you know is very encouraging so I don't know I just know one thing for sure that whatever test that we as believers go through he will be right by our side his supernatural power will be available to us and we can trust him no matter what comes our way but we need an intimate relationship with God. And so this morning, I don't know, I can't see into your heart, but I know that you know where you're at with God. If there is anybody here that has never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, boy, you need to do it right now today. I mean, this will be a journey I would not want to miss this journey. This has been a glorious journey all these years. As we sang that song, all my life, you have been faithful. All my life, Lord, you've been so, so good to me. God wants that to be every one of our testimonies. But we need, a, we need an intimate relationship with the Lord. So I want you to bow your heads this morning. First of all, I want to ask, is there anybody here that has never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life and this is your day? Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you have not made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. Now, Lord of your life means... That you let God dictate to you everything that you do. Everybody? Everybody here born again? Okay, that's good news. That's good news. 
keep your head bowed. I just want it to be between you and the Lord. That night when I cried out to God, I knew that I was born again. I knew that, uh, I knew that God, I didn't really know that God loved me. I learned that later. But, uh, I didn't have an rela uh, intimate relationship with Him. But it became a glorious walk from that day forth. And I don't know where you're at, but I'd like for you, if you're with your heads bowed, if you want a closer relationship with the Lord, I want you to raise your hand. Thank you. See, God sees your hands. He sees the cry of your heart. Doesn't mean that you're black, backslidden or anything. It just means that you're not satisfied yet with the, your relationship with the Lord. So I'm going to ask you to come up front just as an act of your faith. <clears throat> if, you, if you make a purpose and a determination to have a close relationship with the Lord, I want you to make that known to God by just an act of obedience. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, I thank you for these honest hearts. You see the cry of their heart, Lord. Like I cried out to you that night, and I was so broken. And I don't know the brokenness that's in the hearts. Some of them have brokenness. Some of them just, just this is just the time to move forward. But Lord, these people are so precious and dear to you. They're so hungry for you. Lord, hunger, hunger is the one thing that moves the hand of God towards you. Lord, I just thank you. Hallelujah. I just feel like the Lord's saying, I've already made the way for you to walk by my side. I already said that I am your, I am your shepherd. And from me, you can't hide. All you have to do is take me by the hand and I'll walk beside you keep you from stumbling and help you to stand I see your heart your heart crying out to me reach up your hand and child I will set you free Just, I just want you to seek God for just a minute. It's just, is this is between you and God? I think we're gonna we're coming to the time in the body of Christ that we're gonna really have to seek Him. He's moving across this land.
in mighty in a mighty way there are thousands coming into the kingdom of God they're hungry for God on college campuses places that you would least expect it the hand of God is coming to into these places and hunger has arisen and now it's time for us it's time for us seek God while he may be found and he promises if you seek him he will be found he will be found by you thank you Lord see these hearts I'm just I'm just gonna do this because I feel like you know we talked about point of contact and all I'm gonna do is just lay my hand on your head as a point of contact you just you just make that your agreement with God that his power will go into you and show you his goodness in your life Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Zeke, the hand of God's been on you ever since you were a little boy. You've known it. We've known it. You've sought God with your whole heart and God's seen those times in your, in your bedroom when you cried out to Him. He already knew what was in your heart and He already knew what he had called you to do. Now, now, Zeke, I believe your eyes will be opened that you can clearly see the path that has laid out for you to see. This path that God's got for you, I see it just around the corner. When we reach a corner, we can't see what's around the corner. But you're almost at that corner, and you're going to see. You're going to see what God has made you for. And you will be a great blessing to the body of Christ. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, I just agree with the cry of this heart. I just agree with the cry of this heart. Come, yeah. I feel like the Lord is saying to you, I've been waiting. I've been waiting. Now it's your time. Hallelujah. Father, I agree with the cry of this heart. I agree with the cry of this heart. Faithfulness is your middle name. And I am faithful. I'm just the same. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I agree with the cry of this heart. Your vision and your love and your peace I impart. I agree with the cry of this heart. You've come a long way, son. Keep pressing on. Keep pressing ahead. There's more to be had. And there's more to be said.
agree with the I agree Lord with a cry of this heart this visionary keep those visions before your eyes God hears your heart and he sees those cries huh you're not insignificant you've been placed here by me I'm giving you strength I'm giving you great energy walk in my ways and you will see what I've planned for thee I agree with the I agree with the cry of this heart thank you Lord thank you Lord thank you Lord I agree with the cry of this heart I've seen the cry of this heart your your uh, old man is dead all there is left is new keep seeking me and I will empower you I agree I agree I agree right now I agree with the cry of this heart I agree oh God with the cry of this heart these people they're crying out to you in the midnight hours let them know you visit him Lord he wants to know you, Lord, the way that you know him. Let him know you through and through. You've taken the right steps. Your eyes will see a greater vision and a greater knowledge of me. I agree. I agree with the cry of this heart. Thank you, Lord. I agree. I agree. You've cried out to me a lot, saith the Lord. I've heard every prayer that you've prayed. Everything that you have said. And everything that you have sought from me. I've heard it and I've granted it to thee. Amen. Father, I just thank you. Let your anointing come upon this woman of God, empowering her to do what you've placed in her heart to do with an unforced rhythm of grace. I've heard the cry of your heart. Just keep your hand in mine. And there will be a revelation that will come to you from that which is divine saith the Lord hallelujah I've heard your prayers I've heard your cries this is your day open up your eyes you're going to see new ways to go new things to do because you'll hear my voice where I've called you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This is a very solemn time. I feel like that we've all 
experience a little bit of God in a greater way today. Preparing us for what's coming our way. Hallelujah. All we need is you, Lord. All we need is you. You want to sing that? Can you sing that? Let's just lift our hands and sing this. It's basically all I need is you. All I need is you, Lord. Is you, Lord. All I need is you. It has been our honor to offer this message today. If you would like to partner with us as we continue to bring the Word of God, we would ask that you prayerfully consider supporting Victor Center with a financial donation. You may do so today via the online giving portal at victorcenter.org. Thank you.